Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. As you uh, may or may not know, is this a little loud? Okay. Uh, as you may or may not know, uh, today is a uh, special day in the uh, in the Jewish calendar. Uh, today is the day of Yom Kippur. Uh, how many people uh, celebrated Yom, Yom Kippur today? Okay. So I figured that actually there'd be very few people here celebrating Yom Kippur. Celebrating might not be the right word. Honoring um, Yom Kippur uh, because it's usually uh, you usually go to um, temple at uh, as as it ends, and uh, people have been fasting throughout the day from last night sundown to uh, to tonight, and it is the holiest day of the Jewish year. It is also known as the Day of Atonement, uh, and uh, I was I was raised Jewish, and so uh, Yom Kippur always had this this feeling of real mm, solemnity and um, holiness. It was the one day, even if you're not that religious, a lot of times people go to temple on Yom Kippur. If you're going to do it one time a year, that's that's the day to do it. And uh, it's a very uh, profound, it was it was one of the the holidays that really meant something uh, to me because uh, it was the day that you got in touch with everything that you've done for this past year that might have been off. You know the word sin. The word sin means to miss the mark. That's the literal definition of the word sin. So you might have done something that's off that you've regretted that might be still with you or that you've had some kind of interaction with, with, with others and there's still unfinished business. And this is a day where you can both ask forgiveness and offer forgiveness, where you start fresh for the new year. So I thought, even though probably a whole lot of people weren't here, weren't in synagogue today, that we could celebrate or honor our own uh, collective consciousness of starting the year fresh and uh, share, thought I'd share with you uh, some reflections on uh, um, allowing us to do that or inviting us to do that. It's the, it's the, Part of the, I'm sure you've heard the, the high holidays that, that starts with Rosh Hashanah, that is the, the new year, 10 days before. And on Rosh Hashanah, as it's said in the Jewish tradition, that God inscribes your fate for the coming year in the book. Now, when I was growing up, my image of God with a book and a big beard and a 
pen and uh, saying, you're going to have a good day and you're not, kind of put the fear of God in me rather than the, than the love of God. But whatever your, your, however you relate to God, um, this is a day at least where you, so Rosh Hashanah, where it's, it's you, God reflects on what you have done for the past year and inscribes your fate for the coming year. And then there's 10 days, the days of awe between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, where um, it's time for reflection. And on Yom Kippur, your fate is sealed. Now, here's the good deal. That if during that time you reflect you see what you might have learned from this past year and you, uh, you wake up to your confusions and uh, maybe ways that you've acted unskillfully and you make amends or you ask forgiveness in your heart or directly and you offer forgiveness, then um, it's a good thing. And perhaps the sealed fate is, um, is one that will give you a fresh start, a clean slate. That was always the, the image that I had for Yom Kippur. Oh, I get to have a clean slate for the year. Isn't that wonderful? It's often a time where people would give to charity and feel their heart open and, and realize how good it is to to share instead of to just accumulate for oneself. So, clearly, the, uh, one of the most um, important, relevant practices for this day is the practice of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the antidote to both the complaining mind and the troubled heart. And the Buddha was very big on forgiveness, actually. There's some wonderful stories where monks or uh, nuns were, were doing things that might be unskillful, and as long as they weren't of the, the major, there's, a, there's four different transgressions, if they weren't of those major ones, that, um, that there is no turning back. And as a, renunci- as a monk, monastic, you know those then if you see the error of your ways and you either make amends or ask forgiveness, then the Buddha would say, yes, this person is welcome back. And in the monastic community, every two weeks, they have their own version of confession where they say, I I blew it on this one or this one I didn't act so skillfully. And, And you say it out loud and then the community honors and welcomes you back, and, uh, and all, is, all is forgiven. So I wanted to talk um, particularly about forgiveness, and uh, maybe have us, um, if you feel like it, we can all clean our slates with the world and with, uh, within ourselves. You get a lot of practice for forgiveness when you're doing meditation practice because uh, particularly starting with yourself there's ample 
opportunity to be frustrated with yourself. Now, I'm not talking about the big transgressions here. I'm just talking about how we relate to ourselves. You're sitting there and your mind wanders. How do you relate to it? Do you get annoyed? Come on, let's get with the program and get back here. If you have that attitude, then all you're doing is more contraction and you're not developing a healthy relationship with your mind. So again and again, you're called on to be kind and forgiving with the mind that's just doing its own thing. It doesn't know any better. One of the things that, uh, uh, one of the ideas that I think is tremendously freeing is when you realize that your mind is completely out of your control. (laughs) Now, you might think that sounds like bad news. Actually, it's great news. Because if you really get your mind is out of your control, then you don't have to blame yourself for what goes through it. It's just doing its own thing, right? You know, you don't say, I could go for some rage right now, you know, when it comes. It just comes, right? How about some doubt? I could go for a good dose of self-doubt, right? It just happens all by itself, unbidden. And the more you see, and through meditation practice, you see... The mind has a mind of its own, right? That you start to take your thoughts a little bit less seriously. And it's a tremendously um, liberating perspective to see you don't have to blame yourself for what comes through your mind. Where there's some responsibility is when those thoughts get put into words and actions. Then uh, you've got some choice and the karma is much a much greater impact when you put the thought into word or deed. So you can practice just very simply in the meditation forgiving your mind for doing its own thing. Another opportunity that you get for forgiveness is how you relate to your body. Do you get annoyed at it when you've got a pain in your shoulder or an ache in your back? or your knee doesn't cooperate. Gosh, if this weren't happening, I would be enlightened by now. (laughs) And then you get really angry at your body. Now, when you think about it, your body has been serving you your whole life the best it could. Fixing cuts, fighting... Uh, fighting bacteria and invaders, completely operating all the systems. And the only time you realize this, that, that it's doing that is when something goes wrong and you say, hey, what's going on now? That's not very fair. But we forget how much it serves us and we can easily get angry or annoyed at our bodies. And if you know anything about healing, you probably realize that your body doesn't respond to scolding. It responds to love. That's what healing is about. And it starts with forgiving and realizing with great appreciation how well your body is trying to serve you. And then perhaps not only will you, can you forgive it, but maybe support it in doing 
giving it the best conditions it needs to, to serve you. So there you are sitting and we can have very high standards for ourselves. You know, we become hopefully the perfect meditator. And when we, our minds are wandering or our bodies are hurting, we can feel disappointed. Oh, I'm just not good at this. And if you have a tendency towards that perfectionist streak when it comes to meditation or anything, uh, you might find comfort. Something that occurred to me a number of years ago, the best you can do as a perfectionist is break even. Okay? <laughs> You do it perfectly, okay, that's the way it's supposed to be, did it perfect that time, anything less, and you've blown it. This is merciless. In one of my favorite discourses, um, or Dharma treatises, uh, the Verses on the Faith Mind by the Third Zen Patriarch, Sengstan, he says, to live in the highest realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. That's the highest realization. Not to be perfect. (laughs) He didn't say the highest realization is being perfect all the time. No, 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 no. To be without anxiety about non-perfection. To know that you're doing the best you can and this is what this body is doing, this is what this mind does, this is what this heart is doing and to know that your sincere intention is all you can bring to the moment, and that you're human. So, forgiving your body, forgiving your mind, but how do you forgive those ways that you get caught again and again in habits that seem so humbling and frustrating? I can't believe I'm caught in the same place. The practice of forgiveness is very profound. Uh, I'll share with you one story about my own practice that was really the turning point in bringing forgiveness and compassion to myself. It was on uh, a long retreat. You know, every fall in uh, in Massachusetts, there's a uh, a long meditation retreat, usually three months. Uh, this this year, there's a it's a two month retreat that's just started this weekend. But usually it's a three-month retreat. And um, if you ever have the chance to do a, a, a retreat or a, a retreat that, uh, of, of any length, it's very, very profound. You know, it might seem really weird to you. Whoa, I'm not ready for that. You know? But um, I'll just plant the seed in. It is transforming, right? Even if it's just for a, a weekend or a week long. <clears throat> anyway, I was doing this uh, longer period of practice, and um, I was really getting into it. If you've ever done slow walking meditation, how many people have done walking meditation here? Okay. And you know, if you've come to Spirit Rock and see people like crawling like zombies, you know, over-medicated or whatever it seems like, you know, that's walking meditation where you're just paying attention to lifting, moving, placing, and uh, sometimes it can be really fun to go slow. In fact, sometimes you can go so slow that it's hard to go faster once you're in that gear for a while. Well, I was going pretty slow, and by this time, it was towards the end of the retreat, I decided to make a, have a game with myself, 
There was nobody in the walking room, and I decided to see how slowly I could go, just for the fun of it. I pretended I was, if you remember the the French mime, Marcel Marceau, I just imagined what it would be like to be Marcel Marceau, just barely move somebody could not even see the movement. It was cool. In the middle of this, somebody comes into the walking room who had just come on to the retreat. In those first couple of years, they they tacked on a two-week retreat at the end of the three-month course. They only did that for a couple of years. They said, no, not such a good idea. And this person started doing walking meditation, and I wasn't going to stop my game because that was where I was. And after about two minutes, this person bolted out of the the room (laughs) in what I was sure was the comparing mind. And as she crossed my field of vision, the thought came to me, wow, I really blew her mind. She must think I am a fantastic yogi. (laughs) And as the thought came through, it reverberated in all its glory. All of this ego and presentation and look at me, do you see how cool I am and all of that. It was disgusting. And I became, from that slow walking, I became like a caged tiger. And I literally started walking, pacing back and forth, back and forth, saying, oh my God, so much ego. I'll never get out of this. This one, oh God, it's disgusting. I did that for about 10 minutes. And then the thought occurred to me. This was the transformative thought. The millions and millions of times that I'd had that kind of thought, but not caught it. I was just more clear so I could catch it. But I had been practicing another way just so automatically, so second nature, that it was just a part of me. It would just wash through. But I saw it. Oh, my goodness. The millions of times in this lifetime... And if you related to more than one lifetime, which I was starting to at that time, it was just mind-boggling. And as I reflected on that, just this deep wave of compassion came over me. What did you think, that you were going to change that habit in a couple of months? This is going to take a while. And in that moment, which was a key moment in my practice, I can recall it just like yesterday, I really felt this kindness and forgiveness and compassion that changed everything. The more you can forgive yourself, the more you start to be able to forgive others. So this is a very important thing to do as an act of generosity to everyone. Because... When you see how you blow it or you get caught in your own thoughts, then you can see, oh yeah, they're just lost in theirs as well. And when we are holding on, I'll first talk about forgiving others and then about asking forgiveness. When we're holding on, 
with a grudge or anger, we can be holding on for a long, long time. The Buddha has this image, probably a number of have, have heard of, of the, the grudge consciousness is like picking up a hot coal when you are not able to forgive, picking up a hot coal when you're filled with anger and wanting to throw it at somebody to hurt them, not realizing that you're the one that's getting burned as you pick it up. It's a pretty graphic image. You know. Yeah! Oh! <laughs> but we don't realize it because there's something we can get off to. It feels very enlivening and we, we can feel righteous and all of that. Yeah, they have a, a right to have something terrible happen to them. Yeah! Ah! You know, when you start seeing what you're doing to yourself, it's really painful. And when you really get forgiveness on another level, then what you are doing is realizing the truth that things and people can change. Because when you are fixing someone, when you're freeze-framing them in a certain moment of time, then you're not realizing that they go through their own changes. Sometimes they do unskillful things. Sometimes they do skillful things. Imagine somebody taking a picture of you as you're really losing it, you know, with your kid or with your partner or your friend or you're about to click that send button on that angry email. Yeah! And then somebody takes a snapshot. Ooh, what an unpleasant person they are, right? Then they stick it in their pocket. A week later, yep, still unpleasant. Yuck, you know. Five years later, oh, yeah, that person is so nasty. They may, might be on a beach in Hawaii having a great time and, and showing love to their beloved friends and you're holding them in one particular image. So really, forgiveness understands that people and things change. Imagine your own development, things that maybe you didn't realize five or ten years ago that you have a different perspective on now, you have a different take on now. When I look back, particularly on my 20s, there's often this feeling of cringing. (laughs) Oh my God, I can't believe that. On one retreat, actually, on one loving-kindness retreat, you know, loving-kindness is supposed to open the heart. Well, often what it does is uh, it's a purification process, and um, you go through a lot of things that you've done that weren't so skillful. And that naturally happens. You're trying to, may may, may you be well, may you be peaceful, may I feel... All the love inside, yeah, right. And you start to play over things that you've done in your past. This one retreat, the first time I did a loving-kindness retreat, all these horrible things that I did in my life came into my mind. It, It got so bad that I decided to make a list of the top 20 really awful deeds in my life. This is true. 
I fortunately I picked that number because I only could come up with 17 really horrendous deeds. Okay, there's an end to this. But each one, it was like cringing. Oh no, I can't believe I did that. Oh, oh gosh. And that's part of the healing process. Cringing is actually a good sign. Because cringing means that you're not where you were when you did that act. And you're saying, oh God, what was I thinking? You know, if you didn't cringe, you say, hey, that's how people are. Oh, let's do it again. You know, then not so cool. And in fact, on a karmic level, this is appropriate for Yom Kippur, it's better to do something unskillful and know that you're doing it than to do something unskillful and be completely ignorant of it. Now, you might say, that doesn't sound very fair. Gosh, well, ignorance is bliss. I didn't know any better. Not that it's a fine thing to go ahead and do nasty things knowingly, but you have a better chance of freeing yourself when you're doing something that's unskillful and not realizing it, you are bound to repeat it. Keep on repeating it, repeating it, repeating it, not realizing that probably there's greed, hatred, and aversion and delusion that is underneath, that's fueling it. But if you do something and you know that it's unskillful, there will probably be a part of you that's saying, mm, I don't know, well, should I or shouldn't I? Oh, what the heck? And then afterwards, you feel some remorse. Right? That capacity to feel remorse both is, can become an accumulated disgust that leads you to a moment of truth where you change. And also, the intention in the moment of the action isn't as strong as when you're just going for it without caring at all. So it might sound counterintuitive, but to knowingly do something unskillful is at least more of a possibility for liberation. Now, obviously, it would be better if you didn't, if you have the choice and you didn't. But we have to learn this over and over and over, where happiness really lies. I want to share with you um, a uh, writing of a young man who was on his first retreat. He was 18 years old, and he wrote this to himself, and I was fortunate that he shared this with me at the end of the retreat, his secret to long-term happiness. As I write, I'm channeling a revelation about the secret to long-term happiness. Here it is. The real secret to long-term happiness stems from knowing that one's actions are in impeccable alignment with the truth. When there's an ingrained knowing that you're doing your absolute humanly possible best to be generous, compassionate, and trying your hardest not to cause harm to any other being, that is it. He underlined it three times. There's nothing you can possibly blame yourself for, and there's nothing anyone else can blame you for. Suddenly, an inconceivable weight is lifted from your shoulders. In essence, you are frictionless with the cycle of suffering. That makes sense, doesn't it? We are wired up to know when we're doing something unskillful. In, 
in uh, in Buddhist psychology, the uh, the two wholesome states, Hiri and Otapam, shame and dread, they're wholesome states. We call them conscience. Imagine it's dicey enough the way things are with conscience. Imagine what this world would be like if we didn't have conscience. But we have to listen carefully enough to see, oh, what does this feel like? Or how did it feel? The Buddha has a a beautiful uh, discourse. He's talking to his son. He says, if you are about to do an action, just think to yourself, will this feel, will this lead to suffering or happiness? And if it leads to suffering, then, then don't do it. But you might not realize until you're in the middle of the action or the words. And then he says, then reflect, where is this going? Suffering or happiness? And then act accordingly. Then he says in this discourse, you might not realize until after the deed is done or the word is spoken. He doesn't say, go ahead and beat yourself up. He says, reflect and see, what can I learn from this? How can I do it in a different way? If there are amends to be made, to make amends. But how can I keep on learning and keep on listening inside? And one um, uh, axiom that I have in this long process of learning more and more is if I'm at a moment of choice and I'm thinking, should I or shouldn't I? I will, if I remember, propel myself forward in time and think, how am I going to feel about this later? Hmm. And if six months from now or five minutes afterwards or ten years from now, I'm going to look back and say, that wasn't so good, then it's not worth it. Because... It seems, this is, it's so interesting how, we're, how the game is wired up. It seems like it's going to be worth it. Yeah, it's going to feel so good. Or, yeah, they deserve that. Yeah. But afterwards, the mind moments of regret, there's no end to them. Especially if we're, if we're sensitive to seeing how we're feeling. So if you can you know, just see, what is it going to be like afterwards? It's not worth the ripples in the mind. Now, if we could only be that present all the time. But more and more, you start to get an idea of what it's like and give yourself a choice as one friend uh, put it his rule after being acting very unskillfully for quite a while with substance abuse and his life was falling apart and he had this transformative moment where he saw everything he cared about was going down the tubes. The words came loud and clear as he looked in the mirror and he said, act with integrity in the moment of choice. His life turned from that moment on. When he told me that story, it, was, uh, it hit me very powerfully. Act with integrity in the moment of choice or look back and see how are you going to feel about this. So, forgiveness. Desmond Tutu 
says, forgiveness is really, this is talking about forgiving others, forgiveness is the highest form of self-interest. I need to forgive you so that my anger and resentment and lust for revenge does not corrode my own being. When we're forgiving, we're not just doing it for somebody else's benefit. We're doing it because we want to put down the hot coal. And it starts with forgiveness for ourselves. Here are some benefits, by the way, from Fred Luskin, who's, who wrote the classic book, Forgive for Good, uh, The Benefits of Forgiveness. People who are more forgiving report fewer health problems, less stress. Failure to forgive may be more important than hostility as a risk factor for heart disease. People who blame others for their troubles have higher incidences of illness, such as cardiovascular diseases and cancer. People who imagine forgiving their offenders note immediate improvement in their cardiovascular, muscular, and nervous system. It's like there's a release that happens. Now, I'm not suggesting that you can just go ahead and forgive when you've been seriously hurt or traumatized and just say, okay, I'll just, you know, all is forgiven. You need to go through the anger, the rage, the pain, the hurt. It's a process. But just to know that that act of forgiveness, when the mind or the heart can actually open, is really uh, an act of generosity for oneself and to keep that as a possibility. A number of years ago, I was um, in, uh, in Cal uh, at, at UC uh, Berkeley, walking through the halls, and there was a, a poster that really stuck in my, in my mind. It was, it was really powerful of this very sad boy. Uh, and the, the words on the poster said... Um, a child who um, grows up in a home with uh, domestic violence is 700 times more likely to experience that in their adulthood. One way or another, I would imagine, receiving or perpetrating. So, who's to blame in that? It's just causes and conditions being passed on, being passed on, being passed on. And so forgiveness, the heart of forgiveness, for me anyway, is understanding the conditioning or the circumstances that would lead to the confusion that would actually cause harm to somebody. Either somebody doing doing things unskillful towards us, or when we do something unskillful towards others, generally it's because we're lost in confusion. We don't see clearly the consequences of our actions, or we're blinded by desire. In some way, the mind is too contracted to see clearly, because we don't want to suffer And yet, that's often the consequence when we act unskillfully, not realizing. But when you open the heart and open the mind, you see clearly, oh, I don't think I want to go there. So the forgiveness is really understanding the confusion, not 
the act itself, but the confusion that would go behind that action. And scolding, just like scolding your body or your mind in meditation, is not the way. What's really needed is understanding compassion and love. And here's a passage I love. This is from um, one of Jack's books, um, The Art of Forgiveness, Loving Kindness, and Peace. In the Babemba tribe of South Africa, when a person acts irresponsibly or unjustly, he is placed in the center of the village, alone and unfettered. All work ceases, and every man, woman, and child in the village gathers in a large circle around the accused individual. Then each person in the tribe speaks to the accused one at a time, each recalling the good things the person in the center of the circle has done in his lifetime. Every incident, every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All his positive attributes, good deeds, strengths, and kindnesses are recited carefully and at length. This tribal ceremony often lasts for several days. At the end, the tribal circle is broken, a joyous celebration takes place, and the person is symbolically and literally welcomed back into the tribe. That's a good tribe to hang out with, isn't it? That's what is needed to be reminded of your goodness rather than being scolded for your confusion. So I think what I'd like to do at this point, I think I've talked enough uh, at this juncture, and I want us to, uh, I invite you, I invite all of us, uh, instead of, in lieu of being in synagogue today, to do a little bit of um, forgiveness practice. So I'd like you to close your eyes. And um, if there's somebody that you've caused some harm to and acted less than skillfully, or you might think of a few people, just pick one for now. Then you can extend this to others on your own. Just bring them to mind. Maybe you spoke in a sharp way or hurt them through your own frustration, confusion. Bring them to mind and imagine them here right with you. And let yourself allow any feelings of remorse to arise, any kind of feelings that are there. And just get in touch with the confusion or ignorance that might have caused you to act in those ways. Not to excuse yourself, but to just awaken a compassionate understanding. And then you might say, 
towards that person from a very authentic place. I'm truly sorry for any harm I might have caused you. And I ask your forgiveness. And imagine that person hearing your sincerity and taking in your words and forgiving you. I truly am sorry. See them hearing it, feeling it. People want to open up their hearts and forgive. there's anybody else who you have some incomplete stuff with or want to um, get on a, a better foot this new year, this is your clean slate, your time to clean your slate. If you're holding inside in your heart, you might bring them to mind for your sake as well as theirs. And uh, ask forgiveness once again. If there's any way that I might have caused you harm or suffering. I'm truly sorry. And I ask your forgiveness. Again, imagine them hearing you. When there's a dynamic, there's usually two sides that play in the dance. And now, to extend forgiveness, to offer forgiveness. Perhaps somebody has caused you harm in some way. Just bring them to mind and uh, imagine them here in front of you. And again, reflect on the confusion or ignorance that might have caused them to act in the way they did.
If they could have done it better, they probably would have. And then just offer forgiveness, silently saying, you can use these words or other words that fit more for you if you like. For any harm that you've, you may have caused me, knowingly or unknowingly, I forgive you. I forgive your confusion. And just imagine that person taking in your words and feeling your forgiveness. Notice how that feels. Once again, extending forgiveness. As we bring someone else to mind, somebody that maybe the heart contracts a little bit around. The Dalai Lama says that it's important to understand somebody's actions when they harm us are not about you, but about their internal reality intersecting with yours. They're just living in their own world, and it's intersected with yours. So as you bring this person to mind, just see the confusion or unclarity that might have gone into their words or their actions. And you might understand their conditioning. You might see that they're not all evil. They probably have some good qualities that come up from come out from time to time. And see what it's like to extend forgiveness any way that you might have hurt me or caused me harm, knowingly or unknowingly. I forgive you. I forgive you now. I forgive your confusion. And again, imagine them taking in your words and feeling your forgiveness. And notice how it feels. If it's hard to do that, you might imagine that person as a small child that's afraid and confused. And see if you can let your heart soften that way.
And then finally, forgiveness for towards ourselves. You might not be ready to forgive somebody else. That's fine. Just forgive yourself for being right where you are. You can't force things. Just see if you can open, soften to that place that would like to be able to, even if you're not quite there. (laughs) Or if there's anything else that inside calls for forgiveness, your fears or your impatience or your pettiness or your... sadness, whatever it is, what needs forgiveness right now? You can perhaps start your own new year, a clean slate, all through getting in touch with that kind, compassionate part of your being that understands What is it that needs it? And you might see yourself as a small child. That's usually what goes on. We're little kids in big bodies. And with that understanding, just like you'd feel towards a little child who's lost in their fear or their sadness or their anger or whatever, That little child just needs to be held and told, it's okay. You're doing the best you can. You're really okay. Give that to yourself. I forgive myself for that. Understand the conditioning, the confusion the habits that have been practiced. And appreciate just for a moment that capacity or that intention to want to open your heart to yourself. And if you have even a glimpse, a glimmer of this capacity to know this is a key element in your awakening. It's not just doing it to feel good. When the heart is contracted, the mind is contracted, we can't see clearly. And so to Open up with kindness towards yourself, towards your body, towards your mind, towards your heart. Open up with understanding of the conditioning. (coughs) 
And if it seems like a worthwhile thing to do, to just know that you can practice this. You can practice this more and more. Every time you might be tempted to scold yourself, there's another way. It just takes practice. So I'll close this. Might take some time if there's questions uh, with a a poem, one of my by my favorite poet. I think there's copies of the the book Go In and In in the bookstore by Dana Falls. And this is a poem I love called Awakening Now. Why wait for your awakening? The moment your eyes are open, seize the day. Would you hold back when the beloved beckons? Would you deliver your litany of sins like a child's collection of seashells prized and labeled No, I can't step across the threshold, you say, eyes downcast. I'm not worthy. I'm afraid. My motives aren't pure. I'm not perfect, and surely I haven't practiced nearly enough. My meditation isn't deep, and my prayers are sometimes insincere. I still chew my fingernails, and the refrigerator isn't clean. Do you value your reasons for staying small? more than the light shining through the open door? Forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true self. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. So, if there's any questions, comments, reflections, can take a few moments. Yeah. What was the name of that poet? Uh, the name, uh, the poet is Dana Falls, D-A-N-N-A-F-A-U-L-D-S. And the book is Go In and In. She has a number of books. They're all incredible. I'm sort of embarrassed to admit I can't remember. Let's see. Let's see if this works. No. Is it on? Yes. I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I can't remember the exact phrase you used earlier, that the quotation of, from the third Zen patriarch. Uh, yeah. Could you repeat to, that, please? Sure. To live in this realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. Yeah. Don't be embarrassed. Yeah. It took me a while to get it. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Pass behind you. Over there. Right behind you. Yeah. Um, may I share a prayer? It's a, the, it's a forgiveness prayer. It's called uh-huh. the Hono Onopono prayer. Uh-huh. 
and it's a really simple one and I've been saying it all day long. Um, it's, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that one. That's yeah. a good one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Anybody have anything on their mind? Nobody has anything on their mind. No. <laughs> Okay, so then we, we can close. Let's close with a, a little bit of a loving kindness. Just to, to know um, amazing grace that we have this capacity to forgive. Isn't that amazing? I mean, the, the whole idea of Yom Kippur is that God, or however you understand the divine, Ajahn Sumedha talks about the shining through of the divine, that however you imagine the divine, that there is this compassion that wants to forgive. That's our true nature when we are not confused. And we all have that inside. Isn't it amazing that we have that ability, no matter how locked and caught and... and and um, angry we can get, the heart wants to open. That's just amazing. And to honor that and celebrate it and strengthen it more and more. <clears throat> so with that in mind, just uh, breathe through your heart center, that place that we think of that can touch and touches others. You might breathe in the benevolence of life right through your heart. Let it awaken all the goodness in you. And as you breathe out, surround yourself, radiate out that benevolence. As you start on this new year, this clean slate, Reflect on all the good qualities that touch people who know you. And have the intention to allow them to deepen and awaken more and more. And send yourself some kind thoughts, because the more you awaken to your goodness, the more everybody gets to experience it. May I feel all the goodness inside. May I Feel the love that's inside and share it well. May I grow in forgiveness and compassion for myself and others.
May I awaken to my true nature. Now you can include everybody in this room, all of us coming here on a Monday night because we yearn to hear the truth and are touched by it. May all of us open to all the happiness and goodness in our life. May we learn to share our love well. May we grow in forgiveness and compassion towards ourselves and others. May we awaken to our true nature. And then finally, to share this with all beings everywhere in all directions who, like you, want to be happy, want to feel safe, want to be loved and love. As I want happiness, may all beings have happiness in their lives. May all share their love well. May all grow in forgiveness and compassion for themselves and others. And may all awaken to their true nature, see through their small sense of self, see who they really are. And may our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone in our lives, and to all beings everywhere. Thank you very much for your attention. Now that you've got a clean slate, enjoy your coming year. Take care. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.